What a great service. Come on. And uh, like, like Renee said, we, we apologize that you guys were unable to travel this spring break and find someplace warm, but uh, we, uh, it's worth showing up to church. Yeah, come on, and, and braving the weather, braving the season. And we're, we're excited for all God is going to do over the next few weeks. And uh, stay up to date on our church calendar, for real. We, we're announcing things, and sometimes we can almost tune out announcements. But one of the best ways to go is to log in at artisan.church to the website and just check it out. The whole calendar is listed there. Um, we're going to celebrate our second anniversary on March 26th as well, the second year being Artisan Church. And that'll be an awesome Sunday with child dedications, Artisan Turning 2. And then also, uh, we've got Palm Sunday. We've got Good Friday. We've got Easter Sunday services. So much coming up. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're in spring, you guys. It's coming. Don't worry. It's coming. It's still on its way. And um, But we're in a series right now that's very intentionally placed as we are in this season of Lent leading up to Easter. And the, the dive in, we're doing a deep dive on prayers and what are the different types of prayer. Because it's something that we, it's a word we sort of throw around. Hey, I'll pray for you. Hey, will you pray for me? Uh, but what does it actually mean? What, how do we actually go about those types of prayers? Uh, and we should be asking essentially the question, hey, Jesus, how do I pray? It's what his disciples asked him. Hey, teach us to pray. We see that you're praying differently than we know how. You're praying all night. What are you saying? <laughs> how do you pray all night with Jesus? Like, I don't, or with, with God, with your heavenly Father. How did you do that? Teach us to pray. And when Jesus outlined in Luke chapter 11, he outlined what we know as the Lord's prayer. And we've sort of been using this as a template to go through the series and break down different sections of it because all five major types of prayer are found within this passage. And now, when I say, top five, five types of prayer. There's, you, you could label all different types of prayer, but I, what I'm trying to do is create larger categories that all of them could fit under. Because you might be like, well, what about a prayer of faith, Pastor Sam? Well, that falls under, can fall under supplication. It can fall under one of these major categories. And so we're trying to help us break down and understand how to pray because life is busy. Life is crazy. And if you are not intentional with your prayer life, it will be non-existent. It'll just sort of be this, I'm just going to quick throw out a prayer and hope it sticks. I'm going to say this quick thought, and, and that's better than nothing, but at the same time, we want to be intentional with this. We believe strongly in prayer here at Artisan Church. And so this series isn't just about you hearing a message, and, and I can't stress it enough. If we are not applying this throughout the week, I might as well close the, the iPad now, throw my notes away, and let's just move on. And that is why we're trying to resource you throughout the week through guided prayers on YouTube. We've, we just dropped the adoration guided prayer. Um, I, I went through it, used it during one of my devotion times this week and absolutely just was blessed by it. We had people posting on social media saying, wow, you gotta check this out. I'm so blessed by this, exactly what I needed right now. It's just, it's just gonna walk you through uh, both the sermon from the weekend, but also how to apply it. And, and it's gonna help say things like, hey, pray this with me. Here's some words, because at times we'd love to pray, but we don't know how, or we don't have the words, or we're stressed. And so this just helps us walk through it, as well as all throughout this series, in this room, we're turning it into a prayer room on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. You can come in for an open time of prayer. There'll be some direction to help you pray if that makes you uncomfortable, or if you just want to pray in your own way, you can do that as well. There'll always be prayer teams here on Wednesday nights as well. If you need prayer with somebody, 
I encourage you to do it, especially if you're dropping your teenagers off or your kids off at midweek. What a great, easy way to drop them off and rather than go run errands, which I know I love doing that. Sometimes it's a great opportunity to hit up Target without the kids clinging to you. I get it. But, but maybe, hey, you could pop in here, spend some time in prayer uh, one of these weeks. We'd love to have you in here. Uh, but today we're going to continue on. And the section of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to really dive into and break down is out of Luke, again, chapter 11, verse 4, where Jesus said, And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And forgive us our sins. God, forgive me of my wrongdoing. God, I've messed up. God, I've made a mistake. Forgive me and then help and empower me to forgive other people. This is a huge piece of prayer. And really, it's a small little sliver of a description of one of the major types of prayer that most people, if we were just to say, hey, what are some types of prayer you know, this one would be one they would list. It is a common word. It is a well-known word. But we often limit this word down and almost dilute it and lose its meaning. But today, we're talking about prayers of confession. Confession, a confessional prayer. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write that word down. Write down confession. Because this is actually a beautiful word that has a lot of layers to it, a lot of depth to it, and is a major topic throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because you want to know something? People have been sinning since Adam and Eve. We have been making mistakes. We have been needing confession in our life since the very beginning. But we're going to really break it down into two categories just to help us today. I could splice it into even more than two, but we're just going to focus on two. And the first one I want to talk about is the more common understanding of confession. And this would be a confession from something, a confession from. This is past-oriented. This is, I've already done it, I've already made the mistake, and I need to confess it. Uh, maybe it was last night, maybe it was this morning, maybe it was last week, maybe it was a month ago, maybe it was 10 years ago, but it's happened, I made the mistake, I know it wasn't right, I know it was sin, I know it was not God's best for me, but I, I did it. And in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10, through 10, it says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, we, I, I did an entire sermon on righteousness. It's very important that we don't see righteousness solely as something that we have to earn, but it's actually something you can receive. He wants to cleanse you, and he's giving you the righteousness that he earned. We become the righteousness of Christ. Uh, we, we, be, we inherit this, righteous, uh, this righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Come on, these are heavy words. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. And so the reality is you sinned. You've made mistakes. That's one thing we can all look around and go, yep, me, sign me up. I, I, would, I would write my name down. I sinned. But the problem is when we think about confession, I've heard it illustrated, I believe, incorrectly so many times. And, and it's sort of this mentality and this idea, people will take like the uh, American judicial system and say, it's just like a courtroom. This is a courtroom situation. 
God, he's basically Judge Judy, okay? And he's sitting on his throne, and he's the judge. He's got the robe. He's got the wig on. And Jesus, Jesus is your lawyer. Oh, but he's the best lawyer. You got the best one that money can buy. You got Jesus as your lawyer. And you, you're the defendant. And Jesus, he's, he's advocating on your behalf. And the devil, the devil's on the other side. And he's trying to, trying to let God know about all your sins and all your mistakes. And we paint this picture. Can I tell you, this is a really flawed picture. First of all, I don't know that Jesus loves this kind of court system because it was that style court system that put him on a cross. So do you think that this is the picture he has of the forgiveness he's offering? The very system that failed him and put him on a cross? He was on trial and they set Barabbas free. And you're like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. Come to Good Friday service. You'll find out. It'll be great. Plug. But it's this system, like, that's the wrong mental image. The other reason it's the wrong mental image is I'm so sorry, but you're guilty. Like, you're really guilty. You are guilty. It's, you, don't, you don't need a lawyer because you're the, our only job is to immediately plead, guilty is charged. I did it. I'm wrong. I messed up. I made a mistake. I don't need to argue that point. I don't want to argue that point. I actually, proper confession is saying, I don't need, we don't need a jury. We don't need a judge. We don't need, I'm just going to come forward and declare I messed up. This is a mistake. And I'm going to bring this to you, God. I'm going to confess my sins to you. And I'm going to confess my sins even to one, to another. I'm going to bring this forward. Because here's the reality, church, is that if we're trying to argue that it's not sin, if we're trying to argue and defend that it wasn't really that bad, come on, it was just, it was just that one night. It was just, it was just a little bit of it. I, I, you know, I just kind of dipped my toe in it. It didn't really hurt. I don't feel that hurt. Like, I don't feel that damaged by it. Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. And we're trying to argue and, and, and sort of have this mentality of trying to get off and so that we can sort of keep that sin in our life. That is a wrong reality. Do you, do you remember childhood? You remember childhood where you learned how to apologize and say sorry? Or maybe you're a parent right now. When you're a parent, you know when your kid means it or not. <laughs> it's the most frustrating thing where they're like, sorry. And you're like, oh, it makes it worse, right? When there's like an attitude behind the sorry, you're like, no, 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 that is not a sorry. That word means nothing because you did not reject your mistake. You have ever, I can see it in your little eyes. I can see those beady little eyes. You are planning on doing it again. I know you. You have every intention of pulling your sister's hair again. Like, I know it. You're not sorry. That is not meant. Here's the reality. God, he's not, again, he's not some angry judge. He's a father, right? So he sees you more as a child, and he says, and, and, and Psalms reminds us that God would surely have known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. He knows if you mean it. He knows if your confession is genuine. He knows if your confession from it is actually heartfelt and has the desire to actually receive sin. You see, church, confession must be a rejection, are you actually rejecting the mistake? Are you actually rejecting all that goes with it? See, and this is like, right, that's queued up on the screen. Confession must be a rejection. I can write that down. It kind of rhymes. It's catchy. It's cool. But, but realize what it means sometimes. Sometimes that's a rejection of not just a sin issue. Sometimes it's a lifestyle. Sometimes it's a friend group. 
Sometimes it's a high cost. That rejection can have a high cost. So for me to come with real confession, I need to be willing to reject whatever's necessary to stay away from it, to, 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 uh, to, to move past it. Because here's the church, the deal church. I hate, I hate the cycle of sin, repent, repeat. It is something that I'm avidly, consistently working and going, I, I don't want to get caught in that cycle. I want to I sin, repent, and move on. I want to keep moving on with my life. I want to grow past this issue. So I need to reject it. I need to move past it. And one of the easiest ways to test your confession, because here's the thing, again, Jesus, he inextricably linked forgiveness and confession. He said, confess and be forgiven. I mean, they are connected. When you confess, you step into forgiveness so I need to live under forgiveness. I need forgiveness. But, but, because, uh, but how do I test it? How do I know if, if I actually really meant it? For me, the question I ask myself is, do I actually hate this sin? Do I hate it? Do I hate it? And it's such a healthy question. Do I really hate it? And if I don't, how do I find a way to? God, help me to see this thing in a way that's gonna make me, show me how it's poison to me. Show me how it's killing me. Show me how it's killing my purpose. Show me how it's damaging my life. Show me how it's hurting the relationships that actually matter. And it's impressing this one person that, that really I should not have any business trying to impress. And really I should be trying to impress my spouse or I should be trying to impress my, be, be healthy with my kids. And, and help me, show me, help me to hate this sin. Show me the dysfunction it's breeding in me because I need forgiveness. And the reason I'm so desperate for forgiveness, church, is I actually see a refusal to confess my sins, be forgiven. It's actually a removal of a covering that God offers. I, I, I so, I want, we talked about that this is a war in, pr in prayer. Uh, we talked about God's war in week one. But there is a spiritual battle going on. I do not want to engage in that spiritual battle without knowing that I'm covered by the lamp, the blood of the lamb. Like, I don't want to have any business praying into that warfare unless I understand that I am covered and I need his forgiveness because his blood was shed so I could be forgiven because it's forgiven that sets me free because it was for freedom that Christ set us free and that he died on the cross. So I need this freedom in my life so desperately, but it covers me and it protects me. So I need to have my heart right. I need to actually reject the thing I'm moving past. I need to actually hate it. I need to, to loathe it. I want to loathe it. I just want it out of my life. I want to see it as garbage. I want to see it as trash and move into what God has for me. Because we know this, church, the wages of sin, according to Scripture, it's death. It's death. That's what it offers you. And, and the devil's smart, right? It's not a quick death. No, that, that, that would actually make you run from it, Right? It's a slow death. It's a slow, slow, slow death. And all of a sudden, you notice where it's taking you over one year, over two years, over three years, over 10 years, over 20 years. It is a slow death. The wages of sin are death. So then, confession, receiving forgiveness, what are the wages of confession? If there's confession, wages of sin, what are the wages of confession? One of my favorite passages, you've heard me read it before, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Can I get an amen? It's painful. It says it right there. It's painful. It's gonna hurt a little. That rejection, again, it, it costs quite a bit. 
It's frustrating at first. You're going to go through cravings. You're going to desire things. You're going to see some people on social media that are engaging with that lifestyle still. You're going to see this struggle. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be enjoyable what's happening. It'll be painful. But afterwards, church, there will be a peaceful, get that back up on the screen, please. There will be a, thank you, peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. What are the wages? A peaceful harvest of right living. Peace, harvest good things in your life. A life that's on mission, on purpose with God. And, and the reality is that, that this takes time as well. It's, it takes effort. The confession, the forgiveness, it is a consistent pattern we need to build into our life. Quick to confess, quick to receive forgiveness, and quick to move on. But we struggle with the forgiveness part because many of us, we haven't really forgiven ourselves. You see, again, if it was a judge when you were proven guilty, there would be a verdict of how much prison time or jail time or how much of a fine you have to pay. The radical aspect to Jesus' forgiveness, he's like, I already paid it. I already paid it. I already covered it. But for many of us, we receive Jesus' forgiveness after our genuine heartfelt confession but we're not acting like it because you haven't forgiven yourself yet. You're still dealing with your regret. You're still dealing with your shame. You're still dealing with what you piled on. And so that's why this conversation has to be bigger than just make a confession of my sin, walk in forgiveness, sin again, make a confession, do the cycle over again. There's, There's another step to this. And it's one that sometimes gets overlooked within scripture and also from pulpits because confession is not limited to our past. Because ultimately, what are you gonna do now that you're forgiven, church? There is a confession from, but there's also a confession for something. Confession for something. This is future-oriented. This is what am I speaking out? What am I actually declaring about my life? What are the words I'm using? What am I actually going after? Romans chapter 10, verse eight through 10 tells us this, but what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, declare, speak, confess. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There's so much in these two verses. (laughs) And actually the author here, the Apostle Paul, he's actually connecting in this section of Romans, he's connecting back to, I believe it's Deuteronomy, it's either Deuteronomy 30 or Deuteronomy 23. Uh, What are the Deuteronomies? But he's connecting back perfectly to it. And he's saying the same thing that Jews have always believed that this is not just, we can't just do lip service and we also can't stay silent and just believe it in our heart. There's a connection between our heart and our words. Out of the heart, the mouth will speak. These are connected. And so you have to see them as connected. So he's actually tying in salvation, saying, hey, actually it's not good enough just to be like, yeah, in my heart, sure, Jesus is real. Died on the cross, I believe it. He's saying, you actually need to make a public confession of faith. You need to declare that faith out. You need to speak out that confession. So if there is actually enough power in our positive confession 
about Jesus, that it's linked in a part of our salvation process, could it be that there are some other things that are valuable to speak over our life? That there are some other things that have value if we would declare it, if we would say it, if we would proclaim it, if we would confess it. And it's interesting, the, the world's onto this. They call it manifestation, right? I'm gonna manifest it, I'm gonna say it. There's all these like funny memes and silly videos of people like standing on a mountaintop confess- or manifesting things, saying what they want. And, uh, and we also, we, we, for many of us, you hear things like, um, uh, 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 you know, word of faith, or you hear um, positive confession, and we start to go, oh, no, 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 I remember the televangelists. I remember the decision. Name it, claim it, preachers, Pastor Sam. I am not about that theology. And name it, claim it, there's massive holes in that theology. I want that car, and so I want to have it. I want to receive it. I'm going to get that car. There's huge gaps in that theology. But here's the reality. What we do often is when something gets preached wrong, then we sort of throw out everything, We're like, all right, all of that, any confession, all of it is that. All of it is name it, claim it, so it doesn't matter what I say. My words don't really matter. I'm just gonna do quiet prayers in my heart. And the reality is scripture doesn't give you that option. Positive declarations and confessions that are grounded in scripture, that are founded in the promises of God, that are rooted in truth, not desires, have so much power in your life. There's so much power. This is all throughout scripture. So just because some people went too far with it and used it for personal gain. Well, I read an article once about this guy who did the, just because that, I've seen a movie. (laughs) I know, no, no, just because somebody misused it. People have been misusing scripture for personal gain. Read the letters of Paul. He's warning about those people. Hey, there's false prophets. They're using this to make a profit. And this has happened, this always happened because these truths are that powerful. You can manipulate them, you could use them for personal gain, or you can understand what the Bible is actually teaching us. You see, a, a confession for something, it's not naming our desires and then waiting on God to deliver them. No, it's declaring His truth, His promises over our life, and then watching it come to pass. You see, this is me pulling from scripture, pulling from truth. It's saying things like, no, I am the righteousness of Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've actually put on the mind of Christ. I don't think that way. I think differently. I am an overcomer. I am not a failure. I am above and I am not below. The gifts and calling of God that have been placed on my life, they are irrevocable, so you can't steal them. The world can't steal them. I can't even steal them. They're just mine to walk in, and I know that I am the head and I am not the tail that I, if I am a right steward, that I will experience increase in my finances. If I am a right steward, that God will bring a plentiful harvest to me, that if I live that way, I am a son of the king. I have an inheritance that is waiting for me, and I'm gonna live according to that title. That's what the kind of positive confession for something should look like. All of that was scripture. It's all scripture. You don't just make it up. We're not just pulling things out of a hat. We're not offering good vibes. I won't give you good vibes. Nope, that does nothing for your life. I'll declare truth. I will speak truth over you. 
You want to come and talk to me about something you're struggling to confess? I'm going to use scripture. I'm going to say, hey, actually, did you know why you're so uncomfortable in life right now? Do you want to know why you're awkward? Because you're carrying something that's ill-fitting and heavy laden. Did you know you were not designed for sin? So when sin entered your body, it got really weird and uncomfortable, and you felt awkward in your own skin your whole life. That's because you're carrying things that Jesus says, actually, I want you to exchange it, and I want you to take my yoke upon you. I have a burden for you. You have purpose. You're not just going to walk around and be like, carefree, woo, no wait. It's easy. No, there's a burden he wants to place on you, but it's one you were designed for, and you have a purpose, and you have a call on your life, and nobody can steal it. And so take that ill-fitting, that heavy-laden garbage, hate it with all your might, cast it into the ocean, receive the burden that Jesus has for you so you can walk in purpose and bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And it's gonna be a confession. No, I don't carry that. I'm not made for it. I'm not designed for it. I'm gonna speak the promises of God into my life. I'm believing for it. I wanna receive it. And when we start to speak this out, it changes the world around us. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe that your words shape your world? Because scripture does. And honestly, a lot of people who don't love Jesus see this. James goes as far to call your words a rudder that steals, steers the whole ship. Like, like this is the direction of your life. And then all throughout scripture, your heart and your mouth are linked. So church, can I ask you, what's going into your heart? Because your confession for something might be off because you've been consuming things into your heart that are negative, that are toxic, that are depressing, right? Most media now, have you guys noticed this trend? There's no heroes anymore in shows. There's no likable characters here. I'm like, I hate everybody. Who, who am I cheering for? Like, who's the hero? Like, there's no, there's, there's none of that. Like, you just watch it and it's like, well, we're just being honest about how terrible humans are. Okay, oh, wow. This is depressing. Shows are depressing. Everything's depressing. There is no good news. It doesn't exist. It's all bad. It's all terrible all the time. And, and so we get this into us, and all of a sudden it starts to, we, we're, we're taking it in. A lot of times what gets into your heart starts with your eyes. So what I look at then gets into my heart, and then it comes out of my mouth. And I'm yelling at my kids, and I don't even know why. And I'm speaking over them, oh, you're so, you're such a terrible kid. All of a sudden it comes out of your mouth, right? Have you ever had that happen where you speak something over somebody, and you start declaring something, you start speaking death over them? start speaking lies over them because you've been consuming things through your eyes into your heart and it's coming out your mouth. You want to actually move past a lot of these things that you've been confessing over and over again. You have to start speaking out a positive confession instead of a negative one. Renee and I had this awesome opportunity to be around one of our main mentor couples, a longtime lead pastors. We were with other lead pastors. And and they're just one of those couples that they are just, they will just speak life over you. They just confess the truth of God over, like, we're talking about artisan. They're just confessing it over artisan, the truth. And, and he said something, and I loved it. He goes, I, you know, people always ask me, are you like a glass half empty or a glass half full? He's like, I'm a glass overflowing. And I'm like, yes, I want that kind of thinking, right? Like, I want that to come out. But he, you could see it. There was conviction when he said it. It wasn't a cute phrase. Like, and then all of a sudden, he starts telling stories of the church and their life, and you go, yeah, you believe that. You live that way. Wait, wait, you gave how much? You didn't even, have, wait, you, you stretched your faith. How, wait, you believed for, what? 
that's great. You actually believe that. You're not just saying it. That's not just a cute phrase. Wow. And you get around people that start to see the world differently. You're like, man, I want to I be a lifter of spirits. I want to be somebody who says words like this. I love what um, King Solomon he wrote to his son in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 26. He said, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. He's actually attaching words to our physical health. The wisest man who ever lived analyzes the world and goes, there's this connection. People that speak death over everyone and themselves, they start to move towards the grave. But people who are speaking life over themselves and everyone else, they bring, they're bringers of life. They breathe life into people. There's, just, there's, there's a vitality there. There's an energy there. There's a passion there. There's something contagious there. Their confession for something has power. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. So if we don't guard our heart, it gets in our heart, and then it comes out of our mouth. But we need to keep our mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Don't let your eyes let things into your heart. Keep them straight ahead. Keep them fixed directly before you and give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Keep my eyes on those things. I love it. My wife, Renee, she's, she's put truth in Scripture all around our house. Confessions of faith all over our house. Not because it's some cute thing that Hobby Lobby told us to do but because it actually has power. And so we're saying, we don't want to forget this. We want to remember this. And so we can point our kids to, this is what we believe. This is who we are. This is our culture. These are prayers of confession over us and for our future. And we are about this. And we are not going to have this negative thinking seep into our life. Church, ask yourself this question. If your words were to shape your world, what would your world look like? If you took all the collective words that you've spoken in the last month, if they literally showed up in a tangible lifestyle, what would your life look like? What kind of a world have you crafted with your words? Is it happy? Is it negative? Is it sad? Is it bad? Is it mad? What, what, what's attached to it? Who would you be? Who would the people around you be if their whole identity was shaped by what you spoke over them? Would they be confident? Would they be insecure? Would they be built up? Would they be encouraged? What would it look like? And so for me, maybe my words don't shape everything in my world, but if they shape even a part of it, I want to watch it so carefully. What I speak out, my confessions for things. Church, let's move beyond an aversion from sin and into a vision for our life. Keys can come on up as we close. I don't just want confession to be like, man, I woke up today, and you know, last night, yeah, I got some regrets. Looking back through my phone at these videos, maybe that wasn't as much fun as I thought it was. Maybe embarrassed myself. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. Version from sin. I didn't like that. But I'm doing nothing to change my life so I don't go back to that place, so I don't go back to that room, so I don't go back to that point of addiction. So I don't go back around those friends. No, we have to stop just having an aversion from sin and confessing, praying a prayer of confession 
And we need to start confessing for something, speaking over our life, building our world with our words, intentionally crafting what it looks like, the culture of our home, the culture of our marriage, the culture of our parenting, the culture of our friendships, everyone we come into contact with. So really, if I were to summarize this entire sermon, if you're like, man, I'm confused, Pastor Sam, maybe you didn't catch everything, let me give you a confession progression. Put it up on the screen. Here's your confession progression. If this is all you get, that's great. Write this down or take a picture. So, it's inevitable. The first one, you're going to fail. You will have failures. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. So we have a failure. First question is, will you make this a title? I'm a failure. No, can't. Because I need to move past this. And so I can enter the throne room of God, which we talked about before. Enter the throne room of God. And I can make a confession from that failure. But let me point something out. Each one of these dashes, these lines, you want to make those as small as possible. Because the time between my failure and my confession from has a huge impact on my health, has a huge impact on how much it grows, has a huge impact on how fast I move past it. See, some of us, that line between failure and confession takes a long time. Because at the end of the day, we're just not ready to reject it. We're not ready to hate that sin. We still kind of like it. We have every intention of going back to it. And so really, we're just stuck in failure. Because we know deep down inside somewhere, maybe we lie to ourselves in the morning when we feel really bad, but a couple days later, you don't feel as bad as you used to. The guilt's not as strong. So the confession doesn't come. It's not real. So we want to close that gap between failure to our confession from, and then we want to move into forgiveness. Now that second line, how fast you walk in and are covered by forgiveness, remember Jesus is offering that forgiveness, but a part of it is you have to receive it for yourself. You need to forgive yourself. And Jesus is always saying, and forgive others. Receive my forgiveness I'm offering to you. I paid the price, I took the penalty. Receive forgiveness, forgive yourself, and forgive others. Forgiveness has threefold. This could have been a whole sermon just on forgiveness. You wanna shorten that line. And move from confession right into forgiveness. That should be simultaneous. So it should almost be a non-existent line. And then from that position of power, being covered, being forgiven, relinquishing the hold that sin has on your life, it's from there that we need to start having a heart that is so full of truth, that is so full of purpose, that is so full of the promises of God, that we start declaring over our life confessions of that truth. We start speaking it over everybody we come into contact with. Confession for something so powerful. And we move into speaking it out. And we start shaping our world with the correct words. There's power in it. Not just for selfish gain. Not just some sort of watered down, name it, claim it concept. Not at all. No. I speak truth. I speak promises. I'm going to watch God do something amazing. Well, I want the heart work to move and reshape my words. So let's take a moment as a church with every head bowed, every eye closed, just, and actually just leave that uh, progression up on the screen.
just in case anybody wants to peek up at it. But just, um, this is your moment. I'm not gonna make you do anything today. This is a very personal message. What's the things that you just know, I got, man, I need to have a prayer of confession moment with God from my sins, the failures, the mistakes. And I wanna move into forgiveness so that I can move into actively confessing things for my life, for the, my loved ones, for the people around me, start shaping my world with my words in a healthy way. This prayer is a part of you staying free. It's this prayer, this, this category of prayer is so vital to you overcoming, defeating, and walking in victory over sin. But nobody can do this for you. No one can do the heavy lifting. It's between you and God. So I'm gonna pray for us. And when I say amen, the prayer teams are gonna come down. We're gonna stand to our feet. And if you want prayer for anything, come down. But maybe you do, you wanna listen to the wisdom of scripture. And yes, it's powerful when you enter the throne room of God, you confess to God. But the Bible also says there's power in confessing our sins one to another. Maybe you need to confess something to the prayer team. You want them to keep you accountable and help you in this journey of confession. You'll have that opportunity. But right now, Jesus, I lift up every single person here who's working through a confession of the soul, the deepest parts of who they are. God, would you help us to actually desire a rejection of our failures, a rejection of our sin, a rejection of the things that keep making us come back to it. God, would we lay our desires down or would we step into the truth that you have for us? Would we start to fill our heart so full of your promises and your truth that out of our mouth just we declare truth and life. Help us in this process, God. Walk us through a lifestyle confessional prayers consistently would we be, we be quick to confess quick to forgive and quick to speak truth over our lives